Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by hipstersofthecoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at patreon.com slash leavingalegacy. Magic is power. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another awesome episode of Leaving a Legacy. As I'm sure you can surmise, the fact that I am doing the intro means that sadly Pat will not be joining us today. Uh, he's hitting the books. He's in night school right now, but don't worry, he'll be back next week. And in his place, I have an amazing guest. Welcome back to the uh, cast, uh, David Bernstein. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm hopefully going to be able to replace Pat here. But I don't know if I'll be able to fill those shoes after six years you guys have been doing that. <laughs> big shoes, big shoes. <laughs> big shoes. <laughs> you just got to keep them warm for them, you know? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it's like it's like the toilet seat. When Pat sits down next week, it'll still be warm. <laughs> yeah. Lotus Arena. I don't know if you guys are arena guys. You're not arena guys, right? Uh, no, I just can't get into it. I, I'm still a Magic the Gathering Online diehard. Yeah, well, if you've played it recently, it has been lagging like crazy. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a opponent today played a um, Monastery Mentor, and I put his swords in the stack, and he put his swords in the stack, and Moto was just like, I can't handle this, and restarted the entire thing, ran through it, and it was like, we can't fix it, we're going to restart, and that guy was winning really hard, so I won that game. Oh, <laughs> uh, sucks to be him. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> he was not mad, not happy in the chat. Oh, I bet, I bet. <laughs> oh man well uh you've had a busy week i definitely want to talk about it plus it's been a busy week for legacy we had uh one of the biggest events of the year go down uh with the star city uh con in uh was it philly or pittsburgh i forget which one philly in philly um and so we'll yeah it was philly we'll we'll talk about that but before we get into that i want to talk about uh the 1.5k you went to this past week all right. Well, I took notes this time, so it should Ooh, be a lot easier. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Every single turn is going to be narrated on the show. I, <laughs> I guess before we jump into that, for any of our uh, listeners who might not have caught your last episode, why don't you give them uh, kind of a rundown of you know, who you are, what you play, and what your deal is. Sure. Okay. So I am Dave. I am a uh, legacy Zoomer, as it were. Uh, we kill all the sacred cows here uh, as a legacy Zoomer, and <laughs> I am very new to the format. I think I've been playing basically since MH2 came out, so yeah, I don't really know Delver without um, Dragon's Rage Channeler and that kind of stuff. Um, and I play D&T because I hate myself. Um, it's very, very hard to play. It's a very hard deck for a new player to learn, even though everyone recommends it to new people. Yeah, because uh, you have to, yeah. It's it's cheap, but it'll make you want to claw your eyes out. <laughs> well, it's not even cheap anymore. It costs about 1.5k with the 80. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But I mean, yeah. all I mean, modern decks are starting to run into that. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. Also. Yeah. Everything's relative. Yeah, everything is relative. And considering the legacy, uh, hopefully things will last forever unless MH6 comes out and we're just changing decks every year it will last you longer than a modern deck so that is one of the reasons to get into legacy but i would not say to start with dnt uh you have to know a lot about the format and one of the most infuriating things as a dnt player is going against jank but you don't know what it is (laughs) (laughs) 
it's very, very annoying. And uh, Moda has been full of that stuff. But um, I have been trying to learn the format, and I think it's been um, enjoyable for me, even though I'm playing a pile of white cards. Awesome. Awesome. And you got to pilot that pile of white cards through a 1.5K. How'd, how'd that go? Yes, I did. So the first round, I got the mirror. The mirror. The mirror is awful. Okay. Uh, The mirror is extremely weird because you are supposed to tax cantriping and spell casting and non creature spells and all that sort of stuff. You don't really interact with creatures all too much. We have a lot of removal, but if you're against yourself, you don't really, it doesn't match up super well in terms of having fun. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, Game one, I basically, yeah, so he led on mom. I killed the mom. I got my GTA into play. That's a huge thing for DNT because GTA, GTA generally just means like a wrath, wrath of God, um, if you get it going. Yeah, that's that's really the mirror breaker, I feel, especially because it's an artifact. Mother of Runes don't do crap against it. You right. know, <laughs> Mother of Runes does nothing. Well, it's a colorless artifact. That's the important part. But yeah. I guess if GTA was like a white artifact, Mother of Runes would help, but yep. it's not. Um, but basically, I got GTA into play. I'm pretty sure I put it on Cauldra, and that was just like all she wrote. Yep. Um, yeah. Also, I had uh, Vile on five and got my uh, Yorian into play. And they had a Caracas, but it doesn't really matter because all the stuff already flips. So once you get your Yorian down, if you're playing the Yorian Mirror, you really, you just get there, you know, because you get all the value off the uh, ETVs of your stuff and you you get lots of stuff. So, yeah, it's awesome. Sick. Um, also, before we do, uh, what was this 1.5K, by the way? You want to shout the store out? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I may, Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Channel Fireball. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I have. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, they're a mom and pop shop, I'm pretty sure, out in, <laughs> out on the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of a spot right now for Legacy because um, when we did the 1K, they were like, oh, maybe in a couple months we'll do another one. And then they did. And it's like, wow, all right. You know, you're oh. really supporting the format. Yeah. And they bumped it up to a 1.5K this time. That's, that's, that's progress. That's moving oh, yeah, in the right direction. Progress. Well, it's funny because the first place is like 300 bucks in store credit. So, I mean, you know, it all trickles down into 300 bucks, but hey, it's better than zero. That's true. Bragging rights. <laughs> Back in Definitely. my day, we paid for bragging rights and dual lands. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they can't even give you dual lands anymore. I mean, Underground Sea is what, like a, a grand by itself. Yeah, like $300 will get you like the cheapest dual land. So that's something, you know, you can get a plateau. (laughs) (laughs) Where to plateau? That's what I signed up for. Um, So yeah, game two, we had a lot of uh, interaction over Pithing Needle and GTA because Needle on GTA is really good in the matchup. Um, They basically got their Stoneforge Mystic into play with a Batter Skull. And it was like, well, they're they're too far ahead of me. I'm going to skip this one up and go to game three. All right. All right. So how'd game three go? Game three, I kept, oh, I kept the combo hand of DNT, which is mom into Stoneforge Mystic into Cauldra into Crush All Your Dreams. So that's what I did. Um, I, oh, I actually had, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I had mom, mom out, then the Mystic out, and then I got uh, Cauldra into play, put the GTA out. I got GTA somehow, but I put GTA on a Cauldra and it's like basically over at that point. So has Caldra just like completely 
replace batter skull like are you even do you even have batter skull on your list anymore we we are talking about cutting it mm. yeah i was hoping unfortunately no death and taxes uh made it into the star city games event so i was kind of wondering what the uh lists were going to look like but uh that's interesting that batter skull is no longer good enough well it's not that it's not good enough it's that you know you get cauldra and you're like why do i have batter skull the, the amount of times that I'm actively getting virus call over Cauldra and Cauldra isn't out or in my hand or anything like that. I mean, it's really slim. Yeah. 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 I mean, unstoppable five, five with haste and trample. It really, it really only, it really only comes into play, I guess, against decks that, uh, you know, do a good job of killing off your Stoneforge mystics and you want to hard cast batter skull, or is that just such a slim margin that it just isn't even relevant? Well, our mana base is so greedy that, like, well, also, like, I'm casting Batter Skull, and every time I'm casting Batter Skull, I could be casting Yorion. Yeah, yep, that's also true. You know? Yeah. So, like, hard cast Batter Skull. Um, it also gets Force Negation, which really sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't think of that, but, you know, I think if you're hard casting Batter Skull, you're kind of losing. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. yeah, just that, that one slim advantage it has over Calder just isn't quite good enough. Oh, what is the advantage it has? The lifelink? Well, no, just that. Oh, I guess the lifelink is an advantage too, but just that it's, it's a couple mana cheaper than Calder. Oh yeah. But you, I mean, if you're casting Calder, you again have lost, like I think, well, not that you've lost it's, it's gotten me there before, like as like a last dish effort, like, Oh, I have a seven mana. Let's just throw this thing into the wind and see if it wins yeah i guess that's my perspective is definitely jaded because like when i'm cat when i'm playing batter skulls i'm playing esper stoneblade that old uh dinosaur deck that we don't see anymore <laughs> and uh esper stoneblade like hard casting batter skull was a legitimate thing that you would do you know that deck is a lot grindier um so mm. and you you have uh you know uh, a greater chance and opportunity to just hard cast the batter skulls yeah i think because well maybe this differs because I'm playing Urza's Saga. If I wasn't playing Urza's Saga, maybe it would be different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but now, even with the new lands, it's like even less incentive to have Batter Skull. But well, whatever. I'll talk about. We could we could podcast it up and break it up. Probably I'll probably talk about that stuff later. Um, so yeah, we're gonna do uh, round two. So round two is actually against a friend of mine. <laughs> um, he was playing Maverick. Um, oh. And game one, I kept a really greedy hand. I had like two lands and a timeless dragon. Um, and I basically forgot to cycle the timeless dragon. Oh. And then I looked at my hands <laughs> and I was like, where's my third planes? I cannot do anything in this game without third planes. And I didn't top deck it. <laughs> so I was like, all right, game two. <laughs> um, that was pretty disappointing. Uh, because when you keep a hand with like planes, there's a saga. You don't. Yeah. You don't get to activate the saga, right? You only have two lands in hand. Um, so you kind of have to do certain things to make it better for yourself. But also with only playing Urza Saga, the Urza Saga is going to die. So you don't have that great of a, a hand in the first place. Maybe it could have mauled it. Um, mm-hmm. It's hard because you need a swords for their mom. Because if they play a mom, it's like the DNT matchup. If they play a mom, you, you got to kill it. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to... Uh, that's a game two. Uh, <laughs> I think I kept a better hand, <laughs> but 
my friend put zealous persecution in his deck. Oh, that is some um, old school death and taxes hate. <laughs> I, I remember, I remember when uh, True Name Nemesis first came out. You know, X amount yeah. of years ago, zealous persecution was the hotness. This was also back when uh, Esper Stoneblade was still relevant. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, what was your friend playing that he was running a zealous persecution? It was Maverick. Real? Oh, okay. All right. Actual factual Maverick. Yeah. I just say because like white black is uh, not really a color combination that's very popular right now, or has really ever been that popular in uh, <laughs> in Magic's history. That's true. Yeah. yeah I mean, not- I guess there's like modern um, black white tokens or something, Marty tokens, but yeah. So really, the only black white deck, like pure black white, I, I've uh, mm-hmm. really was a uh, Dead Guy Ale, and that was a uh, kind of tokens based. Um, it was kind of like a little bit like Death and Taxes, but incorporated like Thought Seizes and things like that, Tidehole Scholars, Zealous mm-hmm. Persecution. But that deck has not been relevant for you know close to a decade at this point. And then Esper Stoneblade ran Zealous Persecution for a while, and I just haven't seen it in years, just because it, it's. It's hard, you know, sleeving up those uh, <laughs> those scrublands. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, especially also like three playing a three color deck. I tried Maverick for a little bit, and it's three colors. It's hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I, I lost that one O two. <laughs> yeah, zealous persecution really got you. Oh yeah, got me good. It killed my mom and my Dahlia, and I was like, yeah, that's bad. Oof. Yeah. Um, but game three, I went against elves. Okay. Around. Yeah, Elves has been improving for DNT. That's that's been a better matchup for uh, for DNT lately. Is is it yeah. just is it Caldra or what is it? It actually is Caldra. It is Caldra. Uh, just makes makes that makes that matchup. Just kills them good. I mean, it makes it it makes it a lot better. Having four spirits really helps. Having four recruiters to get solitude or spirit really helps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Sentry Prelate's always been good. Pithing Needle actually for Urza Saga has been awesome because you Pithing Needle like Wirewood Symbiote or something. And it stops yep. a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Just uh over the years, like Death and Taxes has always been kind of a toolbox deck with the uh the Stoneforge Mystics, but when Recruiter got printed, that also upped the toolbox toolboxiness of the deck. And now Urza Saga, I just feel Death and Taxes is just a uh, a full-on toolbox deck now. Yeah, it'll give you what you need when you need it, especially when you have Yorion, because if you flicker your recruiters, I mean you can just get whatever you want and pull ahead if you're not already ahead. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. I can, I can see how that matchup's been, been definitely improving for you. So was, was it just an easy 2-0? <laughs> I wish. Uh, the game, the first game was, they had a really, really fast start and I'm pretty sure they had a cradle like in hand and they just sort of got there. I had like a, I put a spirit down uh, on my turn too, but he, they had Alice Shore Shepherd. So they pumped their guys and hit me for 20. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no bueno, no bueno. So, um, that was game one or game two? That was game one. Game two, um, I put uh, you put a peacekeeper in so you can do the peacekeeper lock, which is like this weird thing you do with the Orion where you flicker your own peacekeeper so that you can attack and then it comes back and you bounce it with your own Caracas and then you vial it back in to do it again every turn. Okay. Yep, that uh, that'll get there. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I didn't have to do that, thank God, because that takes forever, especially in paper. Um, but I did uh, sort of get him again with Cauldra because Cauldra is just enough power that 
it you know it's a four turn if they don't block it it's a four turn kill right so um that helps a lot when you're facing stuff like elves because elves is really fast and you you know you want to just kill them and and honestly elves players have told me you know if i get gta they're like oh thank god you didn't get cauldra because cauldra will just kill them yeah that's that's crazy that uh you know college is even better than jitte in those scenarios you know because jitte used to be the uh the old standby for the that situation yeah i mean once you get your culture and you want to get jitte as fast as possible right yeah, yeah. i mean you got to suit up you know you have voltron up <laughs> yeah voltron up the bionicle yeah well because then they can't stop it right because it has trample so if they like do the weird thing where they bounce their guy after they block you it just goes through, you know, they, they take five, right? Right, right. Yeah. So um, that was kind of how game two went. And game three, game three, like, a, I feel like a lot of these matches in my 1K, like, at least a lot of matches with um, Death and Taxes went to time. And we went to time, and I had Cauldra in play. And I was chumping their Allosaur Shepherd buff dudes every single turn because they only would have enough mana to make, to, you know, activate the Shepherd by tapping their um, their elves, right? Like, so the, you know, Heritage Rid, that gives them three mana. They, yep. they sort of were, like, you know, cobbling it together to get me for a little bit, but I would just block with my little dudes because Alistair Shepard only makes them fly five, so it doesn't give them trample. Um, so in the, like, very final turn of the game, basically, I blocked with a Sky Cave Operation, <laughs> um, and I had been blocking with these two moms because I would just go, okay, block, block with mom, give them both pro green, you know, save myself 10 damage. I have this last turn of the game where I look at their board and it's like one blue illusion and a bunch of green stuff. And I was like, okay, give my cauldron germ protection from Simic with both of my moms swing for lethal. I got it. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta love it when a plan comes together. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I think in that game, or at least in the match, I had Sanctum prelate on, um, I should have put it on two, but I put it on a one. I had a grafter's cage out, and what you do is you put the cage out, and then you put the Sanctum Prelate on two, so they don't have a Breath Decay or Assassin Trophy for it, and yep. they're kind of hard-locked. Um, but never had to come down to that. Um, but yeah, that game went to time, and I think between those rounds, I was like, man, I should have brought some food, because <laughs> I'm playing the slow deck in every single match. Oh, it's like yep. it's gone to time. That that's why I always say it's great having a pit crew. Uh, my good friend Mike Gerard, he was the he was amazing at all the tournaments because he was a burn player, and that means it was his job to get the tacos. <laughs> he would <laughs> be like the taco truck and bring around tacos for all of us derpy players playing slow control decks. <laughs> but you were playing sneak and show, can't be that slow, can it? Uh, uh, sneak and show is uh is uh, a deck, but the it, back in the day I played a lot of Esper Stoneblade, um, Esper Stoneblade, and uh you know Bug Death right shaman and those decks went to time a lot yeah i never mentioned this on my my last appearance in the podcast but the first time i ever looked at a um legacy group of deck lists i saw ant and bug mm-hmm. and i thought the legacy was like insect themed or something <laughs> excellent yeah i uh i'm really hoping the meta goes back in uh the direction of bug because it's some of my favorite uh gameplay style um just that like uh, bug mid-range esper mid-range like to me that is magic as richard garfield intended with death right shaman yeah i mean death right shaman would be <laughs> nice but uh, i i don't necessarily miss death right shaman so much more just the uh the mid-rangey grind fest game uh game style yeah the uh the mid-range value pile yep like, exactly. so was bug like chun 
Uh, so, I mean, sort of, it, it, it was more interactive than Jund because I mean, Jund was just, you know, strip your opponent's hand, kill their creatures, beat them down with, with, uh, you know, your Tarmogoyfs, whereas, uh, bug Delver was more kind of tempo orientated, but still had the ability to go long, especially if you're running like the creeping tar pit builds. So you could just kind of like control the board with discard and counter magic and then like win with uh, either like a true name nemesis or a creeping tar pit, just chipping your opponent for three every turn. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, so round four, I go against this guy, and I I had sat again next to him, so I knew what he was on. He was on this like mono blue spirits thing, and you know, like I said, Jank is really bad for DNT. Mono blue spirits. Yeah. <laughs> what like spirit tokens? Like what? Oh wait, no, like the um, oh what is it called? Like the like sacrifice this spirit to uh. Uh, to like counter target spell unless you they pay one like that yeah 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 so like that's called the card's called mausoleum wanderer mausoleum wanderer yes i yeah. do know that deck there was a guy locally who played it um so yeah that's uh that's a that's a fun build yeah it was like supreme phantoms and stuff it was interesting but you know again i'm like what is going on i have to beat this deck <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard time for dnt um but it was funny because i had this like ritual when i start my matches and i'm like i always make them roll for odd or even because i don't like rolling the die i don't know it's just a weird thing um and this guy didn't have dice so i was like oh just roll my die for odd or even and he looks at me and he's like no like you like rigged it or something there's no way i'm rolling your die i was like oh yeah i guess I guess it looks like I'm cheating if I'm just handing him the die, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I can see how they would go that, but I still feel that's kind of tinfoil hatty. <laughs> oh, this guy was wearing the hat for sure because he was like, you know, because I, I, I mentioned it to him like, oh, I see that now because, you know, it just seems kind of silly, but he was like, oh, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you see this cheating. And I was like, dude, like... Uh, isn't that convenient? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, man, this guy... We, we started playing, and he has a GTA game one, so he just plays the GTA, and I'm just like, I don't have an answer to that. I guess you win the game. Like, cool, I guess. Yeah, I mean, what was I supposed to do? You kill all my stuff. During this match, he sees that one of my KMC outer sleeves is chipped. He calls a judge. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yes. And the judge is like, oh, just switch it out with a sideboard card. The judge, judge is chill. It's like, whatever, just do it. Right. We're, we're playing for we're playing for store credit here, guy. <laughs> yes. It, well, we're also playing for like 300. I mean, you know, 300 bucks is not letting it shy, but it's all in store credit. I mean, you're going to get a bunch of MH2 packages, you know, whatever. But we switch it out, you know, and then I look at the rest of my deck and I was like, man, this thing looks like it got run over with these KMC sleeves. So do not use KMC sleeves. Use Dragon Shield. That's why everybody uses Dragon Shield. Use them because they, uh, yeah, they. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. I just sleeved up my cube, and I, uh, I was like weighing back and forth. I'm like, do I get the KMC or do I get the Dragon Shield? And I ultimately <laughs> went with the Dragon Shield. <laughs> That's good. I hope it didn't influence you to get the KMC. Uh, nope, nope. I got the dragon shield. So I got my, uh, my cube sleeved up in dragon shields. So that's good. The judge was pretty chill about it though. Yeah. He was super chill. Um, but we kept playing and like, you know, game two, I was just like mad at this guy. So I beat him with like three, six, six Urza saga tokens, 
like just massive Rosasar tokens and, you know, just stomping him because um, that's sort of what I have to do in these matchups because I don't know what they do. And they play a bunch of creatures. Um, and it's like, well, you know, what am I supposed to do? I don't play any, I don't play enough removal. I don't play a wrath, right? If they pay like six spirits, I just lose, you know? Yep. Right. Um, and it was funny because he said he lost his dice at the beginning of the match, but he was playing all these lords. So he never put any dice on his like buffed creatures. And I just thought it was really convenient that he lost his dice, quote unquote, but he has all these buffs that he's having to his creatures and counters he's putting on things. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. He also, um, so he, like he played Scream Phantom, right? Yep. So he has one copy in English, one copy in German in a different art, one copy, you know, in English, and just like a bunch of random copies and stuff. And I'd be like, hey, what does this card do? And he'd be like, oh, it's just this other spirit on a stick. And I'm like, okay, what does that spirit do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what is this? What is this obscure card, dude? Oh, it's the same as this other obscure card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, man, like, are you just trying to, I don't know, get judge calls on people? Because I could see it from like a Delver player or somebody trying to spike the thing, you know, they're like, judge, 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 right? But this guy, I mean, you know, I get playing fair but he's like playing one of his spirits it's not gonna whatever um <laughs> game three i uh got a really fast cauldra and i was just hitting him the cauldra like i said cauldra is mvp this whole thing um and i just had cauldra with shadow spear on it and i was just hitting him for six and um a judge had just like sat next to our table <sighs> and with your on dnt you search you search your library a lot so you have to shuffle a lot. And I <laughs> admittedly idiot shuffle my deck. Okay. <laughs> Did you shuffle um, your graveyard into your deck or what no, 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 no. It's just turned upside down. So you know, one oh, okay. is facing one okay. way. Well, yeah, you we've, you say that now, Jerry. We've all done that at some point. It's, it's not that big of a deal. Well, the judge looked at it and he was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? And I start trying to fix it. And he's like, Do not do that because he thinks I'm cheating. Wait, did you just put your deck down upside down or what did you do? I just had, so like half the cards were facing one way and half the cards were facing the other. It's like idiot shuffling. Oh, I yeah. see. Top to bottom. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's why he was a little uh, irked. And I was like, okay, I get it. Even though I'm about to swing for lethal in this game and I really want to get some food, we can talk about this. But my opponent, Jen that he is, says, you know, Judge, this is the second deck error we've had in this match. Just letting you know for penalty purposes. Oh boy. Oh yeah. boy. <laughs> yeah. It was a not fun time. Um, but basically we didn't do the whole thing where they do an investigation and they wonder if I'm cheating or not and all this stuff. He he let me off with a warning, which was you know apparently wildly different than what he's supposed to do, which is investigate me and why, you know, why is this card turned this way? Why is this card turned the other way? Um, all this stuff. But he basically just says, you know, it's fine, whatever. And I swing for lethal, and um, that match is finally over. Okay. All right. Yeah. Moving on. Not too Moving bad. Moving up in the world. Um, and I go against this guy who I know is on Tess, um, the Epic Storm. And, you know, you'd think that Storm has a good, or DNT has a good matchup against Storm because of Thalia. Um, and that is true because of Deafening Silence and Thalia. Um, but if they win before you get Thalia into play, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, luckily enough for me, game one, this guy uh, starts flipping cards off of Ad Nauseam, and he dies to his own Ad Nauseam. 
Oh, I love it when that happens. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. And it was funny because the judge was sitting next to him and he was like sitting on this ad nauseum, like, oh, what do I do? I'm at four life. Do I flip it? And the judge is like, I need you to do something because it's been a bit. Right. right. Um, and he yeah, flips and dies. So I was like, okay, well, that's nifty. Um, this is cool. All I have to do is win game two. And mind you, this is funny because this last guy, he was calling a judge a bunch. So I didn't feel like I should call a judge, but I really should call the judge on this guy. Because yeah. he was using tokens for storm, for mana, for everything. So, you know, instead of like writing on a piece of paper, oh, I made three black mana off of Dark Ritual or whatever, he would like slide three tokens off a pile. And it wasn't super clear what was going on. Okay. Yeah. I can see how yeah. that's hard to follow. But I see at the same time, like it's a five color deck. You don't want to use paper, but also like, I mean, you're just, he's like just gingerly sliding them. I'm like, well, you know, how many is that? I don't even know. I don't know what's going on. You just said you won. I guess you won. Um, but game two, I, I, um, I keep a hand with Deafening Silence and Thalia in it. And I go turn one, you know, it's on the draw. So they like pondered or something. And I, I go turn one, Deafening Silence. Turn two, Thalia. And I was just like, beat that. <laughs> right. And then they did. <laughs> they beat <laughs> Deafening Silence and Thalia which um was awful so i was like well that's the best i got um i don't really know what to to say here besides you know don't like variance um and the worst part about it was that he was at eight when he starts his ad nauseum for that game because oh. i called you again called her into play putting him at eight right right my man's flips led led lotus pedal lotus pedal off of his ad nauseum <laughs> and he like wins on the spot. I'm just uh, the 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 ad nauseum giveth and it taketh away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. He must have said a prayer to RNG or something when he started that ad nauseum. <laughs> um, but yeah, he wins. And then game three, he uh he just gets the turn one win after I just play play a planes. Yeah, sometimes that just happens, and you gotta just chalk it up. You know, sometimes you're the windshield, and sometimes you're the fly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then my final round, so the sixth round, um, I went against uh, Ant, so more Storm. Okay. How'd and um, they took my Thalia with Thoughtseize, so oh. it didn't go very well. <laughs> yeah. So does this this knocks you out of the tournament, basically? Mm, so if I had beat um, if I had beat the test guy, I would have ID'd with Anarog and then gotten to the top eight, probably. Oh, you you played Honorog? Was wait, was Honorog the the Storm player? No, sorry. So I played against the Storm guy. I forget his name. Um, but if I beat that guy, like if he didn't, you know, flip the stuff on ad nauseum and whatever. Um, if I beat him, um, I probably would have had my next match against Honorog, and then because I'm only saying that because my opponent, him, the Storm guy, win against Honorog, and they both, you know, intentionally drawed into top eight. Gotcha. They drew into top eight, right? Um, so I would have drawn into top eight, and then I would have top eight it. Then cool. Uh, the bittersweet, the bittersweet. You uh, looking on the bright side though? You got to meet Honorog, and Honorog's a pretty sweet dude. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. It was a, it was a good time. Oh, I, I have to tell you about game two because I got O2'd by Ant. I got destroyed. Um, I like oh, they sandbagged their underground sea around Wasteland, and they only go off when they put the sea down, and they go off. And I was like, wow, like, all right, I guess I lose, you know. So um, I got 16th. So I got top 16. I cashed everybody. I got some money, so that was good. 
Nice. Hey, as long as you get some money, call it a win. Yeah, it was a it was a good time for sure. Because the fifty bucks will give you another forty dollar entry, and it got me a Modern Horizons two pack, which got me a Marsh Plus, which is twenty bucks. So you know what? I'm up on the EV. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> awesome. And all in all, that sounds like a pretty cool tournament. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, you know, the Storm players really like amazed me because. They were just so good in paper, and Storm is so hard to play. I've tried it on Moto, and it's just like, oh, my God, so much math, so many numbers, so much mana, you know? Yeah. And they they got there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is definitely a, uh, a dedication to the craft to be a good Storm pilot. So um, that it is good to see that the Storm pilots are kind of coming back out. I haven't really seen a lot of Storm lately, and it doesn't look like any were at the uh, SEG event, or at least making it in the top 16 of the SEG event. So it's nice to see them, uh, you know, at least putting up some showing at the 1.5K at Ch- Channel Fireball. Yeah, apparently CFB is known for those Storm pilots. Yeah, that is true. They have a pretty because uh, you know Cyrus was a big player at the CFB events, and mm-hmm. um, you know it. It's kind of like a self fulfilling thing. Like once you have one good storm player in your area, they tend to you know bring out more good storm players because it, that deck is so important to share good ideas about. You know, having other people to learn off of is huge, and you know boosting your own ability of the deck. So it just kind of snowballs. When you have one good storm player, they kind of train up another good storm player, and then they train someone up. And you know, before you know it, you got a whole cabal of storm players ruining the day for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's why um, the Epic Storm is like such a huge big website? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, Bryant does a ton of work. Um, He's a great member of the community. uh, And, you know, he is very generous with the knowledge that he shares uh, because, you know, you could very much just kind of hoard the best ways to play the deck and just keep it to yourself. Uh, But, you know, they do a really great job of getting that info out there and, you know, getting it into the hands of the best players. Yeah. It's a, it's a good time. Do you know uh, who, who won the event? Like what the, uh, the top eight looked like as far as a uh, meta breakdown? Uh, I can hear. I'll pull it up. But I know Honorog got first. He didn't lose a game. Excellent. Um, and then actually, my elves playing friend and my Maverick playing friend both got top eight. Oh man, Maverick making a top eight. Love to see it. Yeah, it was very very cool. Um, yeah, the test guy made top eight. Um, oh, and my friend on Mono Red Painter actually made top eight and went against Honorog. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Um. Because Honorog streamed the whole thing. Yeah, I heard about that. So, you know, always great to get more coverage out there. Yeah, definitely. Because I don't, I mean, nobody would cover it if it wasn't happening. So um, it's a huge effort by him. And it's uh, it was awesome to see the rig and see how he's got it all set up. And the SG stuff, I wouldn't have seen any of it without his stream. So uh, I saw him for sure. Yeah, definitely. We haven't had Honorog in a while. We got to get Honorog back on it. It's been like over a year since we've had Honorog guests. So, uh, definitely got to talk to him about, uh, you know, being a gorilla streamer. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It really is a gorilla setup too. I remember looking at it and it's like, he's got an extra battery and he's got this, um, stand and this other phone. It's, yeah. He's, it's he's awesome. like, he's like streaming tournaments from like from his backpack. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> Seriously. So, you know, yeah, yeah that, that and, and the data, he, okay. So SG was in a basement. And the fact at all that we're seeing any signal from his stream and it's in a basement, I mean, <laughs> no Wi-Fi, like ugh, just just 
doing the, I don't know, Verizon or something, whatever it is. Pretty amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, speaking of the SCG, let's take a look at the, uh, the top 16 for this uh, 10K. So real interesting uh, top eight right off the bat. Uh, one thing I will say I do not miss about uh, SCG events is SCG's stupid naming conventions. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, what the hell is Selesnia Reclaimer? Oh, <laughs> Oh, it's depths. It's depths. It's green white depths, dude. It's green white depths. So, yeah, first place, uh, Ezra Christensen coming in uh, with green white depths. Um, you know, reclaimers, endurance, giver of ruins, night of the reliquary. Um, you know, all that good stuff, and then a uh, dark depths, uh, Caracas. Uh, the it's running three of the uh, Yavamaya. So we're seeing a lot of the depths players move away from black. Now that they don't really have to run Urborg, they can switch over to Yamavaya. They don't really need to run black anymore. So it's it's been interesting to see. Yeah. What do you think of the giver, giver of runes tech in there? Uh, I like it. It's why actually. So when I started this list, I'm just like, oh, is this Maverick? This is starting to look like Maverick. And then I got to the dark <laughs> depths. Uh, I, I realized I realized that land section was a little too large for it to be a Maverick list. <laughs> yeah, 29 lands. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I really like it. I think it gives it uh, a, a really great plan B because even if you don't, you know, merit lage them, you can totally win the game just with like neither reliquary beats. Um, right. So yeah, I like it. it. It allows the deck to be a bit more fair. Right. Um, I think the really big thing about Gary Rims is that one of the hardest matchups, at least in my mind for Grimoire Depths is Acast. So Acast, it makes all those flying colorless doctors and Giver of Runes will give them the, you know, Merrill Age protection from colorless and they can just get in. Oh yeah, that's right. Because uh, uh, usually they would win with uh, the Sajiri Step, um, but Sajiri Step only gives protection from a color Whereas Giver of Runes also allows you to give uh, protection from colorless. So yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. That's a huge advantage being able to sneak past all those Thopter tokens that are floating around in the meta right now. Yeah, it's really awesome. Not just eight cast. There's tons of decks running uh, uh, Rotor Foundry um, pumping. Retrofitter, out. yeah, uh, yeah, retrofitter. <laughs> Rotary phone, Rotary, Rotary phone. phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in your defense, they are rotating through, you know, construct thumper and yeah, you know, whatever it is. Uh, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need a retrofitter foundry altar to be like a 1920s Rotary phone <laughs> if I could get that. Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> well, then you have the servo and the thopter and the construct all be numbers, little numbers, you know, one, two, three. Yeah. Or, or they can be uh, like old school operators, like switchboard operators plugging things in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's much better. That's so much better. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a cool list. It's got Gaddock Teague in it, which is uh, really cool to see. I know. That's why, that's why I thought it was, uh, uh, I got really excited because I'm like, oh, Maverick came in first. This is awesome. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> 29 lands, not quite Maverick. <laughs> right, yeah. It's it's got cool stuff, man. I mean, Field of the Dead, talk about a plan B, that's great. Yeah, that is a great, uh, I mean, is that plan B or plan C or even like plan D? That's <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of plans in it. Right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, sweet list. So that that's cool to see. And then also in second place, Mono Blue Infinity. Can, can I also just point out um, only one Blue Red Delver. Is, is like is is the format healing is is nature healing are we <laughs> like where are all the delver players 
I, you know, I think maybe because the list is still up in the air a little bit. People no, don't don't give me that shit. The, the list is not up in the air. It is, it is exactly what it was before uh, Ragavan got printed, except now they also have Dragon Rage and Merc died. If anything, if anything, the list is more refined because there's less decisions you have to make now. You don't have to choose between Dragon Rage or Ragavans. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I don't know why Delver didn't do, but I mean, there's two copies in the top 16 here. One's in fifth and one's in, uh, what is it? 14th. 14th, yeah. So, you know, I mean, it does take some skill to play that deck, right? So maybe they all messed up. Yeah, uh, taking a look. I'm just going to look. Yeah, it uh, it looks exactly like it was before, except for now they have room for a Brazen Borrower. <laughs> yeah, Brazen Borrower. Oh, what was the other one? I've seen like... Uh, chain lightning. Oh, what is this one running? I don't know. Uh, it's uh, it's running unholy heat, which is a flex slot. Force of negation is that the other one of they added? Uh, I was seeing force of negation in some lists, but I mean, I I still think it's it's pretty much it's the exact same deck. Nothing nothing's changed. <laughs> <laughs> it's very similar. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a lot of experience against Ragavan, but. On Moto, I've been going against Delver, and those things flip, and you're, I mean, you're just dead, you know? So, yeah, Delver's uh, definitely good. I wish Pow is here to advocate for his card, but he's not. Right. right. Yeah. Um, taking a look, second place, uh, Timothy Jackson running Mono Blue Affinity. Um, this is a list that we've been seeing uh, pop up. It, it faded in popularity, and it's now coming back, so that's cool to see. Um, but it's, you know, thought monitor and, uh, thought cast powering the deck. And then you got like Emery lurker of the lock and Psy master Thopterus getting uh, value. And like, you're just kind of vomiting your hand onto the table and refilling it and vomiting it again. And just kind of <laughs> overwhelming your opponent, the power of vomit. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And this deck actually plays, uh, it's got two torpor orbs on the side, which is really good against my deck and really good against, uh, doomsday. Yeah, Tropor Orb is huge. We were talking about it last week in the uh, the Doomsday lit, uh, cast um, and how good it is. And yeah, Tropor Orb is definitely seeing uh, more and more play. Uh, so maybe it's time to break out my Phyrexian Dreadnoughts again. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I think I saw somebody playing it in the challenge and they were, I think it was, no, I think it was into play. It was the, it was a mono, mono green post player and he was playing um the first scene dreadnought with the green hideaway lands you were talking about yeah yeah so yeah. Um, Mosswort bridge with Frexian dreadnought and then torpor but yeah that's a great plan b for uh for the uh uh you know cloud post decks um 12 posts oh no no it's a different deck different deck I oh think. different it's uh, is it was plan a the Mosswort bridge I think it was plan a yeah i think it was a completely different deck i even you know, don't better. Me, but yeah it's even better amazing yeah Excellent. well because torpor does so well like we said yeah it just has so much value um i was talking to uh jesse Immon. he was preparing for this uh uh legacy event you're we talking about sideboard cards i'm like don't sleep on torpor orb like torpor orb just has a lot of value in it um because there's just so many cards that are etb effects that you just don't even think about like the majority of the death and taxes list it just yeah. it just it just blanks that uh yeah. but then everything from like snapcaster mages to uh you know break um uh what's it called just, uh, I mean, name a creature and there's almost feels like it's a 50% chance it has an ETB effect in Legacy these days. <laughs> well, right. Um, you know, creatures are either Bane Slayers or Moldrifters, and all the Moldrifters are ETBs. So I guess they're 
they're 50 50 right yep that's a great way to think about it you know I've, I've never heard it put in that way but it's true like in legacy if you want to be a playable creature you either got to be a big flashy bane slayer angel or full of value mole drifter <laughs> yeah it's it's a good time um and i think ragavan i think the problem with it was it was both right i mean right. well we we never go to combat in legacy so maybe the two power you know people were like this is a clock and it's like well maybe it is a clock because nobody has any creatures to block with it but um it definitely was very powerful yep yeah. um now I love to see this in third place. Michael Everett, I'm giving him uh, early scoop in for the show. Bringing back Food Chain. Love to see Food Chain in top eights. And it has been sorely missed for probably like two years now, I think was the last time I saw Food Chain in a top eight. Um, But yeah, one of my favorite decks, one of my favorite combo decks in Legacy. And this list looks sweet. Um, you know, two walking ballistas, two birds of paradise, a brazen borrower, two endurance, three imperial recruiter, two mist hollow griffin, two noble hierarchs, sca- scavenging news, a squeezy immortal, which is uh, a sweet addition. Um, so and it's you may cast squeezy immortal from your graveyard or from exile, and we will uh, talk about that. Uh, two uro titan and nature's wrath, and four ice fang coatl. Uh, and then it's running uh, Manipulate Fate, which is an old favorite of mine, uh, Force of Wills, Brainstorms, and of, of course, Food Chain. So, Dave, have you ever seen Food Chain in action? I've seen it go off uh, once, and it was against uh, my elves friend, actually. So his two decks are elves and uh, Food Chain. And the last time we played against each other, he like puts a walking ballista down or something, and I was like, what do you mean? Like, how are you going to win? He's like, you're going to make me do it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And he, you know, shows me something. I don't know. I really, he just said I won. And he said, I have a ballista with infinite counters or something. And he won. And I was like, well, I don't really know what happened, but you know, it happened. So uh, if you could explain it, that'd be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sure. So uh, surprise, surprise, the deck called food chain revolves around the card food chain, uh, which is an enchantment. Uh, for Mercadian Mass, it's two and a green, and it says, remove a creature uh, you control from the game, add X mana of any color to your mana pool, where X is the removed creature's converted mana cost, plus one. This mana may be spent only to play creature spells. So basically the idea being, like, you can sack a creature to it and add its converted mana cost, plus one, to your mana pool. And originally when it came out, it was used in Goblins, to help just fuel a bunch of uh, goblins plays where they just, you know, vomit their hand onto the board, uh, exile some of the lower uh, goblins in order to, you know, continue pumping out more goblins. Um, Then a nice little combo developed using uh, Mist Hollow Griffin and Squee the Immortal, where Mist Hollow Griffin and Squee have a very special ability that allows you to cast it from exile. So what that means is Mist Hollow Griffin plus food chain or squee plus food chain equals infinite mana because you exile the Mist Hollow Griffin, uh, add five to your mana pool, use four of that to cast Mist Hollow Griffin again, then exile it to add five to your mana pool. And you do this infinite times each time netting one mana. Um, and then you dump all of that mana into the walking ballista and then just, you know, remove the counters from walking ballista to kill your opponent. 
So it's a sweet little creature-based combo um, that gives you infinite mana, and people have done all sorts of cool things with it. Like people have used it to cast Emmercools. Uh, people have used it to cast hydras, but ever since walking ballista was printed, that's really become the you know primary way to win the game with a uh, food chain. So it's a three card combo. Uh, yeah, it's a three card combo um, with walking ballista because you actually need a way to win the game. So like the, the combo itself makes infinite mana and then you need a way to actually use that mana to win the game. Um, but you got plenty of ways to do it because, like, you know, between Imperial Recruiter, Imperial Recruiter can find the walking ballistas. And then a big card advantage engine with the deck is Manipulate Fate. So Manipulate Fate is uh, one in a blue, search your library for three cards, remove them from the game, then shuffle your library, draw a card. So Manipulate Fate in Food Chain essentially says one in a blue, draw four. (laughs) Because you get to draw a card off Manipulate Fate, and then you exile the combo. So all you need is the Food Chain in play. So you exile, you know, a Mist Hollow Griffin and a walking uh, in a, um, or I'm sorry, not the walking ballista. You just exile the, the Mist Hollow Griffins and then you uh, cast them uh, using the food chain. Uh, and then you just use that mana to make walking ballista. So while yes, it is a three card combo, it's a very redundant combo in the deck. Very interesting. Yep. Also added benefit is, uh, Mist Hollow Griffin is great to pitch to Force of Will because you can cast Mist Hollow Griffin from Exile. Wow, that's awesome. Um, and the best part was uh, back in the day when Deathrite Shaman was legal, Food Chain would run Deathrite Shamans because then you could, even if your Mist Hollow Griffins were killed, you could use the Deathrite Shaman to eat the Mist Hollow Griffin, oh putting it into God. Exile to, re- to recast it. So it was very difficult to actually disrupt the combo without having dedicated uh you know a dedicated way to deal with food chain wow and yeah and because you can do it all um as a mana ability it just it it was very difficult to interrupt right because i can't even name this with pithing it all right yeah it's a it's a mana ability so uh yep no no pithing needle for it only revoker wow that's awesome so yeah, one of my, one of my favorite decks, it like uh food chain and a Lurin just have like a very special place in my heart as a, uh, like green creature based combo deck. Did I tell you about the guy I went against, uh, playing a online? No. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So I was in the league. I wanted my damn hundred play points. Okay. Um, this guy's playing a Lurin and he goes for the Acerac one, which, because it's technically faster, right? Because you just go a and then you play Acerac. Um, which is the guy that lets you venture basically infinitely. And like, you can apparently stop before you get to the room that kills you or something. And you can, yep. you know, yeah, I don't know how that works. Um, but basically he goes on moto and does this thing and he just puts all these triggers in the stack. I'm like, well, I'm totally not dead. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like in the chat, like you've lost, you have to scoop. What are you doing? You are scum <laughs> or something. <laughs> Anytime someone tells me I have to scoop, then in my head, I'm like, mm, I don't think I will. Just like yeah, the, exactly. the Captain the Captain America meme plays in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, you're telling me to scoop. No, I really won't do it. You know, I would have thought about it if you, <laughs> if I, yeah, you showed it to me. I am, I am so obstinate. Like reverse psychology works on me so well because I am that obstinate. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Well, you know, he scoops. Or, I don't know. It's not like he scoops, right? He, and we go to game two. And game two, he just doesn't want to play. He's like, just just say, what do you say? He's like, just say please or something and I'll scoop. It's like, what? What is going on? So I just ignored the chat 
and I watched a YouTube video and we sat there and he timed up. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on. You know, it's funny because online, the older learn combo is not that crazy to execute. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah, uh, but Moto does not understand dungeons, I guess. Yeah, enter the dungeon probably is a bitch to handle on Moto. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah. even so, like that was always like a big drawback of a learn on Magic Online is you lost a lot of games just to timing out, just because well the combo wasn't that hard to execute. It did still take a lot of time and a lot of clicks. And if it was already a grindy matchup, like that could be just enough needed to put you over the timeout, um, you know, frame time frame. Yeah, and I think when I was listening to guys' Flash Hulk episode, which is one of my favorites because I never had to play during that time. I can just listen <laughs> to the era, you know? Yep. Um, I think you had the guy, and he was talking about how one of his opponents, you know, he, he does the Flash Hulk thing, and, he, you know, Flash Hulk is on the, on the table or whatever, and your opponent is like, you know, do it. And then the guy's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Right? <laughs> I don't know how to do it, you know? And that was sort of the thing of the learning. It was like, well, kill me, right? You know, it's your job to kill me. You can't kill me. Right. Um, yeah. So um, I don't know how that's going to work out in paper. What do you have to say? The magic words with Aserac to make them die? Yeah. Well, it's easier in paper because you can just shortcut it. And you're like, uh, blah, 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 blah. You know, go to the enter the dungeon. It's just, you can't shortcut anything on magic online. Um, yeah. Interesting enough, this food channel is... Uh, we're we're talking about Megas of the Moon because all these mana bases are so greedy. On a rob, he's playing. <laughs> he was playing five color for a while, and now he's playing four. I think he has a basic, but uh, Megas of the Moon basically hoses his deck, and it hoses a bunch of other decks. Blows up my sagas, you know. It does does a lot of damage. Um, and this guy's got one, so that might be a plan B for him. Yeah, there you go. Don't don't discount uh, you know Blood Moon effects, especially if it looks like people are diversifying their mana bases a little bit more. Um, can definitely get some free wins. So going down the list, uh, in fourth place, uh, Michael, I'm going to butcher this D Benedetto plumber. Uh, Oh, excellent. Uh, running, uh, blue white sharknado, another little blast from the past that we haven't seen that much of. Um, so, you know, blue white control list is running, you know, three Narset four Teferi, you know, three hull breachers, uh, shark typhoon, um, and then just, you know, path to exiles, force of wills, force of negation, source of plowshares, uh, days undoing. So, you know, yeah, you can get a, a cheeky win by days undoing with a Narset out to just like make your opponent discard their hand, but you're winning the old fashioned way with this deck. <laughs> um, <laughs> Taking a look, it's actually, it's not running uh, Hall of Heliod in order to uh, reclaim the Shark Typhoon. So it looks like Shark Typhoon is uh, basically a one and done until you actually cast Days Undoing and shuffle your graveyard into your deck again. Well, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting idea to rebuy the Shark Typhoon. Basically, once if that card resolves, you kind of lose, you know, your opponent loses a list. Yeah, Days Undoing definitely seems to be a big linchpin, but see i just can't play these decks because it's just so grindy like your win, <laughs> your win conditions are like beating in with hull breacher and like casting shark typhoon after recycling your graveyard into your deck and finding it again so <laughs> well maybe you don't shark you don't cycle the shark typhoon and you just cast it uh i don't know if i've ever actually seen a shark typhoon cast but <laughs> oh man i've seen one cast and it, it is disgusting it's very very good 
Excellent. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. If it, in play, it, it definitely gets a uh, huge value. Well, let's say they play one, right? And it goes to your turn. And you're like, oh, cool. I want to play a spell. And then they force it. Will it? I mean, you lost, right? And they make a 5-5. Five, five. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that's telling because Shark Typhoon actually put up two copies in the top eight. Also in eighth place, uh, Logan Howe. Uh, also running a very similar list, except he's uh, up to two copies of Shark Typhoon. He wanted that extra Shark Typhoon action. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's let's uh, do a little crossover. Let's see if this Jeskai control list from the 1.5k is any Shark Typhoon. It doesn't. It's just a typical Jeskai control list with Dason doing in it. So this list, the uh, 1.5k list, J- uh, Jeskai control list, is just running the days on doing with no Shark Typhoon, but... We see two Blood Moon on the sideboard, so Blood Moon coming up. <laughs> yep. Um, and then rounding out the top eight, we got uh, Aaron Schwartz uh, running the Blue Red Delver. That's pretty much the same as previous Blue Red Delvers. <laughs> uh, Gary Leak with his Mono Red Painter. Gary's, uh, I, I see his name. I don't, I don't believe I've ever met Gary, but I see his name pop up in uh, top eights all the time. So he's a very, he's a very good player. Um, running uh, a mono red painter list, uh, also with some Magus of the Moons and Blood Moons. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's a good card right now. And the ni- nice thing you can do with Karn is that you can go wish for your um, you know swords to plow shared painter servant back. Right. Yeah. That's so yeah. that's that's pretty cool. Uh, and then finally, uh, Nathaniel Snyder running Oops All Spells. Always, always good to see Oops All Spells uh, make an appearance because it's probably one of the cheapest competitive decks in the format. That's funny you say that. It's good, good to make an appearance because every time I read anybody's comments on any social media site about this deck, they all hate it. The thing is the most boring <laughs> magic you can possibly play. And people ask, they say, oh, what deck is it that's going to get me you know, into Legacy? And they say, oops, all spells, but you're not going to like it for very long. It's going to be very boring for you because it just does the same thing every game. Um, <laughs> I honestly, if DNT didn't exist, I would play oops, all spells. Yeah, it's a cool deck. Yeah. I remember when it first uh, was invented, Adam Prozac came up with the deck and um yeah it was just it's a cool it's a cool little deck i'm glad it exists don't ask me that if i ever lose to that because i will be raging and gnashing <laughs> my teeth but <laughs> right now i'm gonna say it's all spells is, is a good addition to the format <laughs> do you know what the wincon was back then when they first made it uh so you know before thassa's oracle yeah. um it was uh what was the name it was like the angel so you would like oops all spells to get the angel uh, to return laboratory maniac, and uh, you would win the game with laboratory maniac. Mm, okay. See, when you said angel, I thought you were going to say platinum angel. No, not platinum angel. Uh, it was angel of glory's rise. I forget what it. I'm blanking on it. But the ultimate win condition of the deck was uh, laboratory maniac. So you'd you know get rid of your deck and then get lab man into play and then you would uh, draw a card. And win the mm. game with that lab man. The reason why Thassa's Oracle uh, replaced it is because you know you'd go to draw the card, and then your opponent would like bolt your laboratory maniac, and then you'd lose oh, instead of winning that's the game. Brutal, oh, man. <laughs> so that's that's why Thassa's Oracle has since replaced laboratory maniac as the win condition. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually played this deck. This is probably my most played deck besides DNT Online. Oh, is oops, all spells. Yeah. yeah, I actually beat like three pieces of hate once. It's very resilient. People call it a glass cannon. I don't think so. It's it's pretty good. Uh, well, yeah, that was the Star City Games event. Uh, definitely looks like a sweet tournament. I am really happy to see that you know Blue Red Delver didn't just dominate. So 
that's awesome. Um, and really looking forward to some future events. Uh, real quick before we kind of close out, Dave, I do just want to get your input on the spoilers. Anything catch your eye? Anything you're super interested in? Yeah. As a, so as a DNT uh, pilot, there's a couple things that are interesting. Um, so those channel lens, the white one, uh, I'm going to butcher this name forever. I think it's Iganjo. Is that right? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> So Iganjo is um, legendary white land um, and it's got channel two, two mana and a white uh, deal four damage to an attacking or blocking creature. And this ability costs one less or one colorless less for each legendary. Uh, I think it's legendary creature you control. Um, and it's been really good. So I've been running two of those instead of uh, two planes and um, <laughs> online, weirdly enough, Going against another, I think it was a Jund pile, but they played a Torark, like the Hindu Torark on a stick. They played that guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's got protection from white, but Aganjo is colorless. <laughs> so I was ah, able to kill that. Yeah. There we go. Okay. All right. I yeah. like that. I like that. The real reason we run it though is for stuff like endurance. So like swinging into endurance as DNT player is like the worst thing ever because it's, you know, for toughness, you'll never be able to kill it, all these things. But this thing does exactly four damage. So um, it's awesome to kill. Sweet. Used to kill it. Yeah. Sweet. Um, another new card, a spoiler that we haven't talked about on a previous episode uh, that I just saw. Uh, Peter Vanderham actually brought it to my attention. He made a Twitter post on this that I thought was uh, pretty interesting. Is uh, It's actually from the, the commander set that's being paired with Kamigawa. Is, have you seen Swift Reconfiguration? So, no, I haven't seen that. Um, but I think I understand his deck. I'm not the best with infinite <laughs> combos and legacy have we seen with food chain. Um, but you like make devoted druid a vehicle or something and it can't die. Is that right? Yeah, there's something like that. So there's some crazy combo that I don't really feel comfortable explaining because I also don't 100% understand the mechanics of it. So maybe we'll have Peter on the cast to uh, go a little bit more into it. Um, but it also is just a cool, um, just kind of removal spell in that it's a another one mana instant speed uh, removal spell. Uh, Swift reconfiguration is one white for an enchantment aura with flash. Enchanted creature uh, is a uh, enchanted permanent is a vehicle artifact with crew five and loses all other card types. So the idea being that you know if you have some like uh merit lage or something and you just need to buy yourself some time you can just turn it into a vehicle unless they have five power on the board to crew it it's not going to be swinging in and attacking you <laughs> oh uh, wow uh however you're right with uh swift reconfiguration and devoted druid you can make infinite mana because it retains the tap ability with the vehicle yeah it retains the tap ability and um you i i think you're using it to crew itself i'm not sure i don't i don't know how it works <laughs> yeah me neither so the cool thing about that is that i did not know how vehicles work thank you for explaining that to me that's pretty amazing i don't know if that'll see any legacy play but i know um what we'll see legacy play is lion sash in uh dnt so we added that one uh real fast just as a one of uh because it's do you know what it does yeah it's the um uh, scavenging news that's a uh, equipment as well and white yeah so it's an equipment and a creature so you can find it 
off of both your Stoneforge mystic and your recruiter, and you can file it in. Um, it's it's really awesome. So we're probably going to run uh, one of those. Yeah. So I can definitely see that seeing uh, some play. Um, it'll be interesting. This this set definitely looks like it has some spice for legacy. Um, I'm really hoping that Enchantress got the boost it needs and Enchantress will start uh, popping up uh, more often in tournaments because I always like to see that uh, come come back. When, where do you think it gets the boost? Uh, well, just all, all these enchantment creatures. So first of all, Swift oh. Reconfiguration is a uh, pretty much an auto-include in Enchantress because it acts as uh, a pseudo swords to plowshares that mm-hmm. also triggers draw effects off of the uh, Enchantress's presence or Enchantress. Oh. Um, and then there were a couple other like enchantment creatures uh, that uh, seemed like they would be playable for the deck. So I'm hoping that some of those kind of give Enchantress the, a little bit of a boost. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you think that Viseju, I mean, we've already talked about yeah i think Basaju is going to see a lot of play but i don't think it's going to be as like sky is falling as some people are making it out to be <laughs> you know you know magic players everything is a sky is falling constantly <laughs> right exactly uh, yeah so also i'm looking online it looks like the combo really is you just put swift configuration on devoted druid and it allows devoted druid to just tap and untap and uh tap for mana or uh I, untap for mana and tap for the uh the crew effect and just make infinite mana wow okay How, you went it was just, what walking blisters or what yeah i mean any any you know make in like like food chain make infinite yeah. mana and then there's a million and one ways to win once you have infinite mana right okay cool can i ask you about one more list from the uh SCG? yeah yeah which one uh, I think uh, Sneak and Show, actually. Uh, yeah. It's 15th there. What do you think about that list? Yeah, Jacob Woods running Sneak and Show. Um, uh, so Jesse Inman, uh, I was working with him a lot, uh, kind of fine-tuning his uh, list for the event. So shout-out to Jesse. Sneak and Show, he said, feel felt really powerful in the room. So unfortunately, only one list made it into the top 16, but kind of a pared-down version that we're seeing. And... Um, Jacob's running the green splash for veil of summer, which has fallen in and out of favor. But, um, what I like about the list right now is, uh, is the intuition list. I've always been a big fan of the quote unquote, uh, Trinity tell builds of sneak and show that typically runs like three Emmercool, three grizzle brands, uh, uh, three omniscience and then sneak attacks and show and tells, and then uses intuition to find it, um, to really give it a lot of redundancy. The downside being that it's kind of slow uh, just because intuition is fairly expensive at three mana. So you're typically casting it at your opponent's end step and then untapping to try and win the game. And usually when there's a lot of like wasteland and uh, taxing type effects, it, that strategy is, is not as popular, um, but it does feel like um, it's it, the meta is kind of swinging back in sneak and show's favor. Um, I will say I'm not a huge fan of the Simeon spirit guides. I just, I just can't get behind the Simeon spirit guides. Um, but you know, Jacob's running them. He seems to like them. So all the power to him. but myself personally, I, I usually cut the Simeon spirit guides and, um, you know, have the fourth preordain, uh, or the, uh, the third omniscience for those slots. Are you running green? Um, I go back and forth. I, 
I almost feel sometimes compelled to run green because I own a Eureka. So I'm like, well, I own a Eureka, so I might as well run green so I can have the Eureka for the sideboard. But if I'm like diehard trying to win a, a tournament, I'm I'm going to go for simplicity stake and just go for the pure blue red uh, play. Uh, I don't think Veil of Summer adds quite enough in the current meta to warrant an inclusion, um, but I, I don't fault anyone for running Veil of Summer. I think it really is just kind of a play preference. There's no days in this list either, right? Yeah, I hate the dazes. I, I like oh. whenever whenever I see a daze in a seeking show list, I just I close it. Like I have no oh. interest. It it's not for the deck. Like why are you, why are you like if you are trying to to be that type of deck, just play reanimator. Like you you're you're not trying to be the fastest combo deck in the room. Like that is not sneak and show's goal. If you if you want to play that way, play reanimator. So I. I, I hate days and sneak and show lists. Yeah, you know, that's what I found. I either play DT or I play super fast combo. And I was like, oh, sneak and show is a combo deck. Let me try it. And then, like, turn three, nothing had happened. I was like, this is boring. I'm going to return this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, sneak and show. Um you're you're not you're you're a mid-range combo deck you know you're a combo deck that's built around casting three and four mana spells like you are not you're not racing storm you're not racing reanimator well the trade-off is of because you're a little bit slower you're much more resilient and that's what i really like and i just hate days because so think about it like you want days for your super fast hands well what are your fastest hands is a turn one ancient tomb lotus petal into show and tell what can you not use on that super fast <laughs> hand? Days. Days does nothing in that hand. So, wow, um, yeah. like, like the only time you can actually use days is if you're playing out uh, one of your islands, and then maybe you're doing a lotus petal or, or show and tell, and like it can protect it on on turn three or four. But I would much rather just you know use uh, the force of will effect than the days effect, or I'd rather have the extra mana and have the spell pierce and have just that little bit extra protection. Mm. Um, so, so you'd like spell pierce over like Veil of Summer? Uh, spell pierce over days really is what it comes mm. into. Um, this list is not running uh, the spell pierce because it's running uh, Veil of Summer. If I'm running the straight uh, blue red version, then I'm bringing in things like Flusterstorm. So I'll run two spell pierce to flusterstorm main um and and like like i said i take a more conservative approach where you know if i think they have combo or interaction or something like that i'm making sure i have an extra mana up that i can cast that fluster storm or cast that spell pierce mm-hmm. cool why was a eureka played it's expensive as all hell like not many no, why people. is it played why do you have one like what, what's the point Oh, so it's it's show and tell number five, and it also oh. allows you to play around things like meddling mage or the name a name and number can't cast spells of that number. Oh yeah, Central Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the one yeah. you play, the one you play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it just gives a little bit of flexibility. Also, uh, it can't be red blasted, which is uh, another thing. So um, it's not it's not great. Like I'm not recommending sneak and show players run out and buy a Eureka. Like it, like it is not worth a $800 price tag or whatever Eurekas are up to. But if you were fortunate to fortunate enough to play legacy back in the day and you have a Eureka, it is a nice little thing to add to the sideboard. If you're running green for uh Vela summer already. Cool. But yeah, good job to Jacob Woods. I, it, you know, overall it's sweet. Yeah. Uh, it's good to see the sneak and show representation. Yeah. I mean, it seems like sneak and shows, uh, you know, nature is healing, at least sneak and shows healing <laughs> after uh, Ragavan being gone. 
Right. Exactly. I can't mm. wait to get out to a paper tournament myself. I'm, I'm itching to, to sling some cardboard in a competitive sense. But you guys are going to have one, right? Yeah, we want to have, I actually need to get down to gaming, et cetera, and talk to Michelle about when we want to put it together. We talked about spring and, you know, spring is right around the corner. So uh, we should really get on, uh, you know, actually setting a, an official date. Cool. Well, we'll have Anurag at CFB on the West coast and we'll have you guys on the East coast. How about that? <laughs> Exactly. You know, maybe we can get Anurag out to do some guerrilla coverage. <laughs> he, he, hey, he went to Philadelphia pretty easy, so maybe you can get him out here. Yeah, right. I mean, Pat, Pat and I were talking because, like, Pat and I are are really eager to play. So I think for the next Leaving Legacy Open, we might be uh, down to have uh, someone else run run the booth and uh, you know do the commentary. So well, maybe... not to give your hopes up, but during the Anurag stream, he didn't want to play. He actually. He, he wanted for her like hanging out, doing interviews, like doing streams. Like when he did play, he only went like three rounds and sort of just like went back to streaming. Awesome. Well, hey, Anurag, if you're listening and you want to do <laughs> commentary for the Leaving a Legacy so I can get out there and play in the tournament, you can definitely have my host seat. I will gladly give up my host seat to you, Anurag. <laughs> <laughs> Would you run your exact, you know, 75, your all foiled up 75? Uh, from so that's the problem with foiling out your deck is it makes it very hard to shift for the meta without like <laughs> like luckily sneak and show hasn't really had anything be added to it in uh, the past couple years but um, I would definitely change up my sideboard um, there's definitely some sideboard cards like I don't know if I would run the grim lava mancers anymore um, just because especially with Ragavan being banned there's not as many targets for it Merktide regents being a big problem and grim lava mancer doesn't really do anything for Merktide regents like those grim lava mancers would probably turn into red blasts is is kind of what i'm thinking but okay. overall i wouldn't change very much about my deck what is your sideboard just if you you know what you can remember of it oh so i mean for my sideboard what i can remember you make it sound like i'm a grandpa in heaven i don't know when was the last time you opened your deck jerry <laughs> uh, um so i got brazen borrower uh two grim lava mancers uh two arcane artisan which has really fallen out of favor with sneak and show players i don't ever see arcane artisan in sideboards anymore and i don't know why because it's one of my favorite sideboard cards like what is it oh arcane artisan it's it's amazing it's show and tell <laughs> on a stick so oh. Arcane Artisan is two and a blue for a zero three creature that says two and a blue, tap it, draw a card, exile a card, not discard, exile it. If the exiled card is a creature, put a token into play that is a copy of that creature. Hmm. So it's kind of like a uh, merfolk looter show and tell had a love child. And, and <laughs> the end result is uh, Arcane Artisan. Do you think the the token part of that is an issue? No, the token, it's actually a benefit because it gets around Containment Priest. So wait, so this is literally show and tell on a stick, like we both get to do one? No, uh, sorry, it's one-sided. Only I get to do oh, it. Oh, <laughs> nice. See, because I was going to say, if you both get to do it, I'll just put my Flicker Wispman to play. Nope, I, I get to do yeah. it. So so yeah, yes, you're more susceptible to Flicker Wisp, but keep in mind, it's a tap effect on a creature. So I just do it on your end of turn. So unless you have a vial on three and you're violing in the flicker wisp, I'm, my token's still pretty safe because nice. I do it on your end of turn. Um, you don't really get that much of a chance to respond to it. I untap with my Emrakul token and swing in because it's no longer summoning sick. So yeah, Arcane Artisan is one of my favorite sideboard cards that just doesn't really get C play in the sneak and show lists anymore. 
Um, I'd also probably would add uh, a torpor orb um, to my sideboard just because it is so useful in so many circumstances. Um, right now, I have defense grids in that slot, and I mm-hmm. don't know if I would cut the defense grids, but I am damn close to cutting the defense grid for the torpor orb just because mm-hmm. of how, how useful it is. Yeah, you know, it's funny about torpor orb is that when I face torpor orb, you know, in game two or game three or whatever, people will seriously keep like six lands in the torpor orb. <laughs> and then I just start playing my, you know, I start playing limited, right? I just start playing a bunch of creatures. Um, and that can actually get me there because they kept such a bad hand that just relied on torpor orb so much. Yeah. Hey, it's yeah. what happens. It is what um, happens. I do just like with Sneak and Show, though, that you can turn one Torpor Orb really consistently. Just like Ancient Tomb Torpor Orb, get bent oh, nerd. <laughs> yeah, that is very nice. Yeah, well, then I'll put my... No, I wouldn't put my Solitude then. Because, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, I can't even do it. Uh, no, I can evoke it, right? So that was funny. One of the last times I did that, um, I evoked Solitude after the Torpor Orb. And, you know, the guy was like, Judge. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's how it works, man. Yeah. So he's evoke, you know, evoke as an ETB. And the ETB never happens, so I get a, a 3-2 lifeline, you know? Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, very cool. Uh, well, before we get out of here, Dave, do you got a anti-work story for us? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I was working at this pizza place, really tiny pizza place. And, you know, I was like 17 or something, you know, just delivering pizza, you know, pretty uh, normal, like, high school job or whatever. And, um, you know, this guy's really nice. And he's like, oh, hey, kid, you, you, you want to make a, a garlic pizza or garlic bread or something? And I make this garlic bread. <laughs> and my boss, um, you know, the garlic bread looks like shit. It looks like, a, you know, the worst garlic bread you've ever had. It's just <laughs> such a joke, you know. But I'm like, oh, I made my little garlic bread. I'm such a cutie, you know. And this boss comes over and he's like, what is this fucking piece of shit garlic bread? It's so awful. We can't deliver this, yada, yada. Now this delivery is late. What are we going to do? All this stuff. Um yeah, that wasn't super fun. And I actually heard a story about that guy from one of the employees that worked there that um, he was making a pizza and the police showed up to arrest him for domestic violence. Oh! And this guy, this guy told them, I got to finish this pizza. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that's that's capitalism in a nutshell for you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's like, yeah, I gotta make it, make a dollar, man. I don't know, you know, talking about domestic violence, but I gotta make this pizza. Um, so yeah, that's my uh, that's my story. <laughs> did, the, did the police let him finish making the pizza? <laughs> I don't think they did, <laughs> and I've seen enough cops to know they did probably didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my, that's my thing. Incredible, yeah, incredible time, yeah. That's awesome. Well, awesome. thanks for coming back on, Dave. Pleasure to chat with you as always. And good luck at the next uh, Channel Fireball event. Thanks, man. Yeah, hopefully it's happening soon. We keep yeah. it going. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right, everyone. I hope you all enjoyed and have a great night. Uh, oh, also, real quick, uh, just a little shout out. Wanted to give a shout to uh, Mythic Games in Long Island, New York on Saturday. So the day after this episode comes out, uh, they are having a legacy tournament. So if you are in the New York area and you want to get your legacy fix, make sure you check out Mythic Games at Long Island. Uh, Until then, we will see y'all next week. Bye.